Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the KevTechify nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to be looking at configuring switch ports. We'll be discussing duplex communication, configuring switch ports at the physical layer, auto MDIX, switch verification commands, network access layer issues, and finally, in interface input and output errors. This episode is part of my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. I'm Kevin here at KevTechify. Let's get this adventure started. When we talk about communication on a switch, we have to talk about the duplex, how that data is traveling in directions and if it's at the same time or not. We can either have full duplex or half duplex. Full duplex is communication happens in both directions at the same time. You can talk and listen at the same time. Half duplex, communication does happen in both directions, but only one direction at a time. And and what I mean by that is you can only talk or you can only listen at one, one point in time. Now, full duplex, it increases bandwidth. It has a very high efficiency because that communication can happen at the same time that there's no interference because I'm sending on one channel, I'm receiving on the other. There's going to be no collisions there. Sort of like cars on a highway. Cars go down one lane in a direction away from you, in another lane they come towards you, in a different lane. Those lanes don't meet, and so there is no collisions that happen. On a switch, this requires micro-segmentation. Micro-segmentation is, micro is when there is one device to one port. There, and that establishes that one lane of traffic going in one direction and one lane of traffic going in the other direction so we can send and receive data at the same time. Looking at this, half duplex is unidirectional, meaning one direction at a time. It's inefficient. It creates performance issues because the flow can only go in one direction. And a lot of times that causes collisions because you either can be sending or receiving if both devices de decide to send, you're not going to hear any data being sent because you're sending and then nobody receives the data and we have to go through different control mechanisms and resend that data. It's just not very efficient. In the newer higher speed connections, gigabit and 10 gigabit, those network interface cards, those network interface controllers, they require full duplex because they're sending data back and forth so much. It offers 100% efficiency in both directions. It's allowing them to transmit and receive as fast as they can go. This results in doubling of the potential use of that stated bandwidth. You can configure the individual ports on a switch manually for speed and duplex. You can configure them to be full duplex, half duplex, and you can configure them for the different speeds. Those commands are duplex and speed um, appropriately. Now, the default setting for the ports for both duplex and speed is auto, auto negotiation. And that means it's going to give you the best it can as the two ends communicate. And so it's going to try to negotiate for full duplex. 
if it can't do that, then it'll give you half duplex. It's going to try and give you the highest speed. And if you're on a gig switch, it's going to try and give you gig speeds. If it can't do that, and maybe the far end is a legacy piece of equipment or it doesn't support gig, it will then go down to 100 megs per second. If it can't do that, it'll go down to 10 megs per second. But it will auto-negotiate the best possible. Now, auto-negotiation is also nice for when you don't know what the speeds and duplex is of the equipment that's connecting to you. A lot of times, especially with legacy equipment or proprietary equipment, that might be set already and you don't know exactly what the settings are. Set your port on your switch to be auto-negotiation. It should connect in. Now, when troubleshooting troubles on a port and communication and speeds like that, one thing you should check is that duplex and the speed. Make sure you're at full duplex, make sure you're at the right speed or the speed you, you should be at. Now, another thing to note is if you're using fiber, fiber can only operate at the speed it's assigned. If you have gig fiber, it can only operate at gigabit speeds. It can't go any slower, it can't go any faster. It has to operate at gigabit speeds for your fiber. To configure the ports and speeds on your switch, you have to go into the actual interface itself. Here we can see we go into global configuration mode, then we enter into the interface. Here we're going into fast ethernet 01, so we've selected a port. Then we enter in the command for duplex, you can put duplex, and then it's either full or half. And then you enter in the speed, and that is in megabits per second and here we're entering in 100 megabits if it was gigabits you'd enter in a thousand if it was 10 gig you'd enter in 10,000 the one with four zeros there and that's all it takes to manually set that you could put the word auto in there to force it to make sure you're doing auto negotiations but like I said by default it's set to auto negotiation for both duplex and speed typically you only go in there when you're trying to force a certain speed or a certain duplex Back when we talked about the different types of cables, there was the straight through cable and there was a crossover cable. Now, the rule for crossover cables, when we use a crossover is when we connect like devices, PC to PC, router to router, switch to switch. That was PC to P PC, router to router, switch to switch, like devices. And there was one exception. Anytime we go from a PC to a router, you have to use a crossover because it needs to change that communication or sorry, that transmission and receiving path around. Over the last several years, there's been a development. There's the automatic medium dependent interface crossover or auto MDEX. And what this does is it identifies what cable you need and then through circuitry, it auto corrects it to make it the cable you need. Now, when you use the auto MDEX, you can use any type of cable you want, meaning straight through or crossover anywhere you want. There are a couple things to pay attention to. There seems to be a limitation at about 14 crossovers, or sorry, 14 corrections using MDEX for cables. It, there, there seems to be that in there so pay attention to that because all of a sudden if you start plugging in 15 20 cables that have to do auto correction it may stop working so i try to do the best i can use the correct cables where i can 
Now, once again, if you don't have a switch that has this auto MDEX feature on it, you have to use a crossover cable when you're connecting PC to PC, router to router, switch to switch, and a router to a PC. Otherwise, it's a straight through cable for everything else. In a production environment, 95% of your cables are all gonna be straight through and crossover cables is just gonna be a handful of cables there. And so what a lot of people do is they buy just straight through cables for everything and then rely on the auto MDEX feature to supply that crossover feature. One thing to note about the auto MDEX is the interfaces, the speed and the duplex must be set to auto negotiation. That needs to be set to auto negotiation for auto MDEX to work because it's going to auto negotiate those connections. Now auto MDEX is not only found on switches, it's found on routers, most PCs, most network interface cards that have been produced in the last 10 years have this feature on them. And so it'll go through and it will, it'll correct for the cable you need in the area where, or it'll correct for the cable that you need for your particular application. Now, if you want to look at the auto MDEX features on the switch for a particular port, what you use here is the show controllers ethernet dash controller with the PYH keyword at the end, the physical keyword at the end. That will give you information about the port and its auto MDEX features. If you like this episode on configuring switch ports and you get value out of it, and depending upon the platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. The, doing this supports the channel, which in turn helps me bring you more great content. Subscribe to my channel and click that notification bell. You can visit my website at devtechify.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. As you work on configuring your switches, you're gonna go through, do all the configurations. You're gonna to wanna to go back and verify your settings. I typically do this before I deploy my device in a production environment. A lot of times I go through and use some switch verification commands here in the troubleshooting process. Here's a list of them that are commonly used that I typically use from show interfaces, show startup config, show running config, show flash version history, show IP interface or IP version six, show MAC address or show MAC address, depending upon if you put that extra dash in there. These are all the commands that you should have in your arsenal to help you verify and troubleshoot your switches. Here we have the show running config. Show running config shows your settings as they are in RAM. This is how your device is configured right now. You type in show running dash config, goes through, it builds up your configuration, and then we can see our settings. Here in the example, they show us interface VLAN 99. You can see right here is our number. We can see our IP version four address, our IP version six address. It doesn't say shut down, so we don't. So it should be up and running at this point in time. Here we have the show interfaces command. In particular, we are looking at just interface fast ethernet 018. And we can tell a couple things from this. Here we can see that it, it, is, it is up. We can see our line protocol is up here. Couple lines down here, we can see that we are in full duplex, that we are at 100 megabits per second. And then the media type is a 10100 base TX, or this is a fast ethernet connection. 
when we look at the network access layer here to see what kind of issues we have, we can get some information using that exact same show interfaces command. Once again here, we are showing interfaces for our fast ethernet 018. We can see that the fast ethernet is up. What this up stands for, this refers to the hardware layer and it indicates whether the interface is receiving a carrier detect signal. Basically, you have a wire plugged into it, that other end of the wire is plugged into another device and it has a network connection. The second here in this line is line protocol is up. And that refers to the data link layer and if it is receiving the data link layer keep alive at that point in time. If you're looking at those and the interface is up and the line protocol is down, there is a, there is a problem. You won't get any data across there. It won't have a good network, network connection. Typically, this means that there's some sort of encapsulation type mismatch. Um, the interface on the other end could be in air disabled mode or there could be a hardware problem. And so you will need to look into it a little bit further. If, if the line protocol and the interface are both down, if both of them are down, what a lot of times that means is there's no cable connected or the cable has been disconnected somewhere or a backhoe has cut your line between your two devices. That's I've seen that happen once. Now, it could also mean that you have an interface problem. If you're connecting into a server and connecting into a PC, your interface could go bad. That nick in that server or PC, it could go bad, bad and you might have to replace that. If it says that the interface is administratively shut down, that means that it has been manually disabled. Somebody went into that port and did a shutdown command on it. Did a shutdown, it deactivated that interface and it shut it down for whatever reason, but administratively down means it is in shutdown. It, that port is not active. As we look at network access layer issues, looking down towards the end of the show interfaces command, it has a lot more information and it has a bunch more statistics down at the bottom. Down here towards the bottom, we have we talk about runts and giants. What that means is how many runts or giants we have. A runt is a frame that was discarded because it was too small. It was smaller than 64 bytes. A giant means it was too big. It was bigger than the 1,518 bytes. On the next line, we have input errors. What the input errors represent is all of the runs, giants, no buffers, CRC, frame, overrun, and ignored errors combined. So it's just a nice little snapshot to say, hey, look, you, you only have three frames and it's been running for three weeks. And, and so that, that's good. Or you only have three errors. If you have a lot of errors, like a million errors, then you have a problem. And it's just, it's a combination. It's a grand total of everything. The next one we have here is the cyclic redundancy check errors. That means when we got data in, it, it generated an error when the calculated checksum is not the same as the checksum received. Because when a frame comes in, it, it goes through an algorithm, it, it generates a number based on an algorithm in the data and it com compares it to that number in the frame check sequence field 
using the CRC value, if those two don't match, then we delete it because there was data corruption at that point in time. Down a little bit more, we have output errors. What an output error is the sum of all the errors that prevent the final transmission of a datagram out of the interface that is being examined. For whatever reason, there was an error on trying to get that data out the interface, generated an error, odds are that that frame was probably deleted. And so that just gives us the grand total of errors trying to leave that port. We also have collisions. What collisions here is the number of messages that we had to retransmit because there was an ethernet collision on there. For whatever reason, you're running in half duplex and, and we had to transmit. A little corruption happened and we had to resend that data again. But how many messages did we have to retransmit because of a collision? And finally, down on the bottom, we have late collisions. And what a late collision is, is a collision that occurs after 512 bits of the frame has been transmitted. We've sent out a good portion of the frame and for whatever reason, there is a collision after that. And a lot of times that's due to a lot of congestion on your network. Another reason for late collisions could be an excessive cable length. A lot of times that twisted, twisted pair cable you're using is rated for 100 meters. Sometimes people go a little bit longer than that, and you can usually get away with it, but what happens is, is that late collisions typically start happening at that point in time. And here's a process to troubleshoot some network access layer issues. This is by Cisco, and I, I, there's a couple parts in here I, I may disagree with a little, but to start off with, we do a show interfaces. When we look at that show interfaces, then is that interface, is it up or down? And what we're troubleshooting here is there is no connection or a bad connection between two devices on our network. Now, after we, after we do the show interfaces, is the interface up? Well, if it, if it says the interface is up, what they want us to do is, is there any indications of electromagnetic interference or noise? Out on, out on the floor, is there something that's causing electromagnetic interference? Typically, these are electric motors. These are ballasts and fluorescent lights that cause this. This could be just a run of electric wire that generates this field if you run your cables next to or on top of a conduit that has electric cables in there. You will get some issues. And I love that it says, if, if yes, remove the sources. Odds are you can't move the sources. What you're gonna have to do is probably move your cable. Uh, make sure it's suspended on the ceiling, move it as far away from the electric fields as you can. Sometimes like in a machine shop that has lots of machinery, you can't get away from it. You're gonna have to do that because you have to run a cable to that CNC lathe out there, but that CNC lathe has a huge motor in it generating a lot of electromagnetic interference and it, you just can't get away from it. Then you either look at using shielded twisted pair or because the prices have come down a lot in the last several years, a lot of companies go and use fiber optics at that point in time. Fiber optics is not affected by EMI at that point in time. It also says verify duplex is set properly on both ends. Now, if your interfaces aren't up, verify proper cables. Make sure you have the proper cables in there, check cables and connectors for damage. 
A lot of times this happens if you run cables across the floor. Sometimes you quickly run a cable and it goes across the floor. You throw a carpet over it, but over time people walking across it, they, they wreck that cable. Verify that the speed is set correctly. The one thing I think they're missing here is make sure the cables are pushed all the way into the ports. I've seen that where for whatever reason, the cable is just out a little bit, a quarter of an inch or something like that, or somebody disconnected it and it doesn't make that connection. And so I think if, if your interface isn't up, make sure your cables are in. And then after you answer the question, is the interface up? Yes or no? They come down there, is the problem solved? Yes, you're done. No, I love that it says document and escalate the issue. For me, I would go and I would troubleshoot a little bit more. I would go and I would look for more solutions, more problems in the process, re-examine the physical wires a lot more, make sure they're all good, good. I'd look at the settings. I'd go and I'd try this over and over again. But eventually at some point in time, you're gonna have to either replace the wire that's causing you problems, or like it says, escalate it, and then the next people in the process can take care of the problem. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on configuring switch ports. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, and of course, depending upon what platform you're using, please click that like button, leave a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel. All of my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com, and you can get all these episodes in video and podcast form. In the upper right is my playlist for my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. In the bottom right is one of my favorite episodes that I linked just for you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.